Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, my name is Bex and welcome to Getting Emotional. Every week I'll discover a brand new emotion. Or rather, I'll tell you about an emotion you may well have felt, but had no idea there was a name for. This week, it's Tusker. February 6th. Dear Diary. Sometimes, like right now, I feel so ridiculously pathetic. I want to crawl into a hidden corner and hide there until somebody comes to tell me everything will be okay in the end. And sometimes, like right now, I realise how ridiculously pathetic everyone else is. And I find it very easy to criticise every last one of them. February 7th. Dear Diary. Strike the last entry. It's all fine now. Everything's great again. Yep, two entries from my actual teenage diary. I'll explain more about that later, don't worry. It's not the last you've heard from Teenage Bex. There is plenty more angsty gold to mine. So on to today's emotion, Tosca. It's an emotion I think we've all probably been unlucky enough to have at some point. And in today's podcast, I'll delve into why we feel it and how we can make sure it doesn't take over our lives. This is a Russian emotion, often described as being kind of untranslatable into English, but I'll give it a good go. It's a bit hard to pin down, and the best way I've heard it described was by writer Vladimir Nabokov, who said it was a dull ache of the soul. Vladimir described Tosca as being anything from a deep spiritual anguish to a restlessness or a low-level nostalgia for someone or something. It's a longing, but not being sure about what you're longing for, and at its most basic, it's a form of boredom. Etymologically, by the way, it probably comes from an old Slavic language and I actually think there may be a word in the Czech language from the same root that means fearful or timorous. At its heart, this is an emotion the Russians are almost proud of. The website Russia Beyond asked various people in Russia what Tosca meant to them and they all spoke of it as a Russian personality trait. It's in their DNA. One commentator said it was closely tied to the suffering and the doubt the Russian people have held for generations, but also pointed out that having this kind of pool of melancholy inside them meant that when the bad stuff happened, they were already equipped to deal with it. But I think my favourite description of Tosca is this, from a British journalist in Russia. I think Russians can get away with expressing a type of seriousness, sadness or longing without people, foreigners, thinking they're depressed. Whereas, if an American expressed the same feelings, a doctor might give them Xanax. So I think we're getting a little bit closer to unpicking Tosca. It's a complicated emotion and it doesn't necessarily have a cause. It can just well up inside you, this great melancholy. As you can tell from my teenage diary, uh, little Bex there certainly felt all of the feelings very keenly. But Tosca, I think, is deeper than those teenage feelings. It's a sadness in your soul. Sorry to break it to you, but I am not qualified to deal with soul-searching sadness. I do, however, know someone who is. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Sophie, or Dr. Soph, or Dr. Sophie Mort. Sophie will do. I'm a clinical psychologist uh, working to take psychology out of the therapy room so that people can understand themselves wherever they are, (laughs) whenever they need it, and ideally before they're struggling. Oh my goodness, that is a big challenge you've set yourself there. I know, no small task. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Tusker is a weird emotional thing because it seems to encompass so many um, big, big topics Mm. in our life and it seems to get like creep into lots of feelings. But uh, the main description I've seen it as a kind of um, a deep anguish of the soul, which just sounds (laughs) so poetic. It sounds poetic, but also no thank you. (laughs) 
absolutely not like I'll just close the door on that one thanks yes Um, (laughs) that's the least psychologist thing I've ever said we should allow all emotions in people no emotions are dangerous all are useful don't worry I'm the one closing the door I'm not a psychologist it's fine I'll be locking it so what what does like that deep anguish look like from a from a mental or even physical health kind of point of view what what would you say um you, you know what does anguish kind of manifest as so okay what makes that question brilliant but so difficult to answer is the fact that whilst all of us and all humans share emotions so for example we all experience happiness sadness interest we all experience similar emotions the reasons we experience them and how they show up in our body are often quite different so for example each of us experience our emotions dependent on our dna how we were taught about emotions when we were young whether we felt safe growing up Um, and what language we have for our emotions. So that's a big caveat to say, (laughs) when you experience anguish, it may be different from how I experience anguish. But often what I see, for example, as a psychologist, when someone says they're in deep anguish, it's this kind of physical experience that permeates the body. It's not just something that you think about. It's like the whole body knows that something is wrong and it's very hard to get back into the present moment and it's very hard to focus on anything that you have to do in your daily life without being sidetracked by that feeling does that kind of encapsulate what you think it might be like yeah that's interesting because anguish to me I think of it I guess in an almost kind of cartoon way of like Mm. um crying um you know sleeping a lot like just not being able I mean worrying basically um Mm. but I think your your description there is also true that you can't concentrate on anything else you're just constantly concerned right Mm, and I think and you just named something really important which is you said about sleeping a lot actually for example let's say the anguish is a form of sad anguish a form of despairing anguish you might have some people who sleep a lot but you might have people who go in the totally opposite direction who are unable to sleep And I suppose that's what I mean. Psychology is so nuanced that you could have two people who describe feeling exactly the same way, but present in two totally different ways. Right, I see. Which kind of, I guess, helps in a weird way with this emotion, because um, as you know, it has so many possible different descriptions. Mm. But I guess there is an overwhelming feeling in it of like melancholy, I suppose. Mm. Yes, yes. It's it's quite tricky. Is, Is there anything in English you could think of or any kind of state that is a similar similar name? I really like this idea of melancholy. Can I give you a quick background on what emotions are? Yeah, please do. So few people realize that, A, there's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion. But few people realize that emotions are physical experiences that start in our body that arise because our brain has found something in our environment that it either wants us to turn towards to in order to thrive or to turn away from in order to survive. So, for example, let's see you say you're walking down the street and you see a potential lover or a delicious lunch. Your brain sees, oh, this could enhance my survival. Before you realize it, um, you are experiencing, you, for example, you are flooded with feel good hormones such as oxytocin, um, dopamine. You might experience this as happiness, interest or arousal. And suddenly you'll find yourself in an urge or actually turning towards that thing. Whereas, for example, say you're walking down, walking down the street and you saw an ex or you saw someone who had insulted you recently, mm-hmm. you would notice your heart might start to race. You would notice tension building in your body and you would have this urge to run or to turn towards them and fight. And we would call this kind of anxiety, fear or anger. 
And this would be, and you know, adrenaline would be coursing through your body. So all emotions have a purpose and they're to drive you towards doing something. But what's particularly interesting about melancholy, okay, mm-hmm. melancholy and this, this um, almost unnameable experience of Tosca feels almost like an absence, right? It feels almost mm-hmm. like uh, what happens when um, either we are in between two spaces. So for example, I can imagine that during lockdown, a lot of people might have experienced what you and I call Tosca. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This kind of feeling of, I'm not entirely sure why I feel this way. I feel kind of low, maybe. I feel kind of uneasy, maybe. I feel kind of nostalgic for something, maybe. I feel agitated, maybe. And it was because we were between two spaces, right? We were not in our past life where we were able to get up and do all the things that we cared about. We also weren't in our future life that we hoped for, right? As in lockdown mm-hmm. hadn't ended. So one of the things I was thinking is that melancholy is one of the only emotions that I think a lot of us struggle to understand where it comes from and can often arise when we're in between two places. Me and Dr. Sove talked for ages. One thing she noted was the shame around feeling sad. But she says, it's important to feel sadness, melancholy, Tosca. Allow those feelings and then get curious. If you're looking for ways to deal with the state of mind, there are some options. For example, you could be meditative or do what teenage Bex did, journal. One of the things I think um, that's really fascinating to do when you're unsure why you feel something is to just kind of, I was going to say verbal diarrhea, that's not very nice, but, and then I'm going to say vomit. Okay, just vomit all your thoughts down onto the page, as in just let it flow for three days in a row, four days in a row, just right at the top of the page. I'm not sure why I'm feeling like this, but all these things are happening. Write for 15 minutes at the end, reread what you've written and simply write three things that you've learned, one thing you're looking forward to that day, and then you can tear it up or move on and do the next thing the next day. Do the same thing the next day. After three days, four days, you're going to start noticing patterns like, oh, I feel kind of nothing in the mornings because of X. Or, oh, I feel kind of nostalgic for a certain time because of Y. So I think we can see melancholy as a time for introspection. Mm-hmm. But also there needs to be boundaries, right? Melancholy, when it's allowed to just be everywhere, can send us into a feeling of demotivation and sadness and into a slump. That's really interesting, the journaling, because I, um, I've i kept a diary for years since I was a teenager. Mm. And I write, you, you know, obviously, it's not just like 1220 went to the doctors. It's it's quite comprehensive. And mm. it really does help because it's a way of getting out my feelings on, on paper. Mm. And just being able to see them, I think, is really helpful. And then you can kind of assess like what makes you feel the way, it, you know, you're feeling. Mm. Is that for you a good way? Would you tell your clients who are feeling quite emotional, like, this is a good way just to address how you're feeling and not to not to kind of solve everything, but to help figure it no, all out. The research around journaling is honestly the most bizarre thing you'll ever read. So we know that, for example, if people journal, like I just said, for 15 minutes to 20 minutes for four days in a row, it can, for example, decrease immune responses. It decreases the number of trips to the doctor. It can improve asthma. Honestly, the outcomes are wild asthma that's what wow honestly honestly, there's so many things i think something like rheumatoid arthritis wow honestly it's incredible and we don't know exactly the mechanism but there is something very important about being able to um get that it's almost like sometimes we feel like we've got a jumbled piece of wool in our mind you know when you don't really know why you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. or even if you feel a certain way when you journal and you let it all spill out onto the page and then you reread it 
your brain is able to make sense of and create a coherent narrative around yourself. And emotions are the organizing principle of the brain. And so once you're able to make sense of your feelings, you just automatically start to feel more calm. So journaling is one of the things I really wish everyone would do, but it's probably one of the things we're most likely to avoid. It can feel quite teenage. We can feel like what's the point in writing things down? And it is true that if you wrote about the same thing every day for two weeks, you would likely entrench the problem rather than release it. But absolutely, journaling is incredibly important. It can give us perspective. Like you said, you can see your thoughts on the page. I think for some people, though, keeping a journal can be hard because they're worried other people will find it. And so for me, because I'm really about rage journaling, like one of the reasons people might feel melancholic or might feel flat or deep sadness is actually because they're ignoring rage. So I um, am all about kind of if you've had an argument or something's going wrong or you feel frustrated, allowing that rage to pour out onto the page, then tearing it up so that not only is it the um, visual metaphor of destroying what you've done, you know, and letting it go. It's the fact that no one will ever find your journal and read what you wrote, which is quite freeing. (laughs) August 12th. Dear Diary. I've had this diary for over a year, in fact, a year and nine days, so I have confidence in it, which is why I feel I can indulge it in a little-known fact about me. So little-known, only six people know. And two of them are my parents, one of them is me, one is a friend, and two of them relate to the fact. I failed my driving test for the third time this morning, because, although my driving was perfect, I hit a curb when reversing around a corner and trying to straighten up. It sucks. But... Please don't tell anyone. See? Diaries, man. I was writing them before they were cool. And as you heard from Dr. Soph, they're not only cool, they are useful. Like I said, Tosca can creep up when you're least expecting it. Dr. Soph said it might be because your brain is scanning around looking for danger and it's just found something that triggers nostalgia and makes you sad. That is normal. But sometimes you don't know why Tosca creeps up on you. That's where journaling helps, because it might help you to identify what's been stressing you out, what's going on in the background of your head. You can detect patterns, when you get sad, who you're with, what you've been doing. With stuff like this, obviously I'm, I, people should never feel guilty about feelings because I'm, I'm a big believer in that oh. you feel how you want to feel. But is there a time that you would say to somebody, okay, well, this has gone on quite a long time, maybe you should like, look for more help? Well, I suppose it, that's hard to answer quant- in a specific quantity because it's like how long is a piece of string sure. yeah, yeah. different times. But my rule of thumb is if you've felt a certain way, whatever that is, because it could be too high or too low, mm-hmm. for a long enough period of time that it's getting in the way of you being able to do the things that are important to you each day, go to work, connect with your friends, study, that is the time when you should seek help. Now, your first point of call might just be telling a friend. It doesn't have to mean that you have to go to a mental health professional, right? Mm -hmm. It just means sharing with someone that you care about and you trust how you feel. Then after that, if it still continues, that's when you'd perhaps escalate who you wanted to talk to. I think just talking about stuff in general is so helpful and people are scared because I think especially with like we you know there's lots of lovely emotions out there like you said earlier Ooh. we're all told to feel happiness and joy but um you know it's okay to feel those the deeper ones as well because they're the ones that give you the contrast I guess yes and I and I do think um if we're thinking of Tosca from the deep sadness perspective one thing I really want to share is that one of the things clients that I see every day fear the most is deep sadness mm-hmm. 
Because when you feel that way, it shifts how you think about the world. And suddenly you have thoughts such as, oh my word, nothing's going to ever change. What if I feel this way forever? Maybe it's always been this bad. And the moment you have that thought, then you trigger another set of emotions which make you feel bad, right? Because Mm -hmm. suddenly you're like, oh my, I'm in danger or this is my life forever. So I think for anyone listening, if you ever feel any version of Tusker, remind yourself that emotions can be fleeting. Just because you feel this way now doesn't mean it'll never change. And almost certainly, if you connect to people, talk to people and engage in activities that you value, you will start to feel better. Because that's the next thing is when we feel melancholic or when we feel deep sadness, what happens is often we become demotivated. Our energy levels drop and we stop being inclined to do the things that would actually help us feel better in the long Mm -hmm. run. I'm also interested in this idea of yearning for something, but not knowing what you're yearning for. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm interested in that idea too. And (laughs) I think, again, you know, this is why a meditative, rather than, um, I wish people could be proactive about their emotions, right? Proactively understand them. For example, the reason I wrote a book um, on emotions and everything that makes up being human is because I want people to not wait until they're struggling to find out about themselves. So say, for example, people understood their emotions and had a proactive practice to recognize their emotions, such as meditation. Mm -hmm. It would mean that um, when you had those kind of I'm yearning for something, but I'm unsure what it is, you would have more of a sense of, oh, this is a pattern for me. I tend to feel this when, for example, I don't know, I'm away from home or I'm hungry. Yes. Now, we should say uh, your new book is out um, and it's called A Manual for Being a Human. Can you tell us a bit yes, about I it? Yes, I absolutely can. So um, in short, it breaks down into three parts because people come to therapy almost always with the same questions, which is, why do I feel this way? So what got me here? What's keeping me here? And how do I move forwards? And I was particularly excited to write a book that would help people navigate all of the things that shape them each day. So part one of the book starts with the, taking your first breath. So it's everything, it's literally everything that happens in your first few years of life that affect how you relate to people now. Part two is about education, right? So what are emotions, exactly what you and I are talking about? Why do we have an inner critic and how do we overcome it? What coping strategies are we using that actually end up biting us in the bum and how to navigate modern love? So part three is a, a, I'd say an arsenal of coping skills. But basically I wrote the book that I felt like if people wanted to understand themselves or needed to access therapy, access therapy and couldn't or wanted something to aid in therapy, mm-hmm. they would have a manual that they could dip in and out of at any time to make sense of pretty much any experience they face as a human any day of their life. October 9th. Dear Diary, I made it. I started uni this week and I was terrified and nervous and homesick, but it's all really good. Really, really good. I have friends. I'm doing stuff. I think people like me. I'm okay. This was Getting Emotional, and that was Tusker. Thank you so much to Dr Sophie Mort. Not only was she just utterly delightful and helpful in my emotional journey, her book, A Manual for Being Human, is also incredible. Check it out if you get the chance. If you've enjoyed the show, please do like, subscribe and follow wherever it is you get your podcast from. It really does make a world of difference. And you can find me on Twitter at GetEmotionalPod.